You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ family of churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. All right, good morning, everybody. Got a big pep talk from newbie here as I was getting up. Felt a little bit like a rag doll, but it's great to be here. Uh, this is Super Bowl Sunday, and uh, I am a 49ers fan, if you can't tell. So I'm excited about today. But you know, it's been a tough week, and I'll be honest with you, it's almost like it uh, was an afterthought, the Super Bowl. And uh, we're going to be speaking about the plagues today, and I felt like we had our own plague I mean, this past week, and with all the stuff that's going on around the world nationally and locally as well. Uh, at, at this time last week, we found out the news that, you know, Kobe Bryant, really a son of Los Angeles, uh, yeah. a, 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 you know, a veteran of not just basketball, he transcended the sport, and he passed away. Not only that, but uh, other people. His, his daughter uh, died with him on the plane, and other people as well, and we had to really deal with that this whole past week. And uh, just thinking about just the emotions, you know, for his wife and the surviving kids. It's been a tough week for so many people. And I know I was talking to Newby earlier today as well, and he was a personal friend of Newby. And uh, just this past week, Newby has gone through a lot. So I'd like to get some time to, to pray together just for a minute or so, and uh, just to really think through uh, our the rest of the week today. Let's pray. Father, I feel like we've gone through our own plagues uh, this past week. Uh, God, not only... The, the death of Kobe Bryant and his daughter and the people in the, airplane, uh, in the helicopter, but throughout the world as well. Uh, God, we, we're going through a plague in a sense. Uh, the World Health Organization has declared it really a national, an emergency, a global emergency with the flu emanating from China. And, uh, God, even in, uh, Australia with the, um, fires there that uh, they said over a billion animals have died because of the fires. And uh, God, even nationally here, uh, God, we're going through politically some turmoil where the president is going through a time of, of trial, uh, whether he should be impeached or not. God, all these things, God, we lay upon you and we ask you to really help us to process and help us to really think through and help us to rely more on you and help us to really understand how much we need you, God. Not just at an intellectual level, but uh, at a heart level, at a truly emotional level as well. God, please be with us as we think about the day and as we think about what is really important. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I thought about that and I go, you know, uh, the Super Bowl, in some ways, a little bit of an afterthought. But then I go, you know what? We really need this time uh, to get together and uh, to eat a lot of food. And uh, to, to root for the 49ers and uh, to, to really get our minds off. And I, I really do think that it's going to be a good time together. Today, we're going to be talking about the plagues. And uh, we've been working through the book of Exodus. And uh, the theme of it is really from captivity to covenant. And how does that relate to us? The book of uh, Exodus, it, it happened about 13, what? 3,340 years ago, something like that, and something so ancient. How does that work with us today? And I think we can learn a lot. 
You know, the amazing thing about the book of Exodus is that it's, uh, I, I find it fascinating as we begin to read the book of Exodus and thinking through how important the role of women was. And I'm glad we're having a women's day. And uh, all this stuff happened because a bunch of women really had it in their hearts. And some heroes and some heroines in the Bible, like Miriam, like Moses' mother, who, who really took it upon themselves to save Moses. And the compassion of even uh, the queen of uh, the princess of Egypt as well, to pluck him out from the water because she, she was compassionate towards him. And you see, the roles, the crucial role that women played throughout the book of Exodus, throughout the Bible as well. Now, Exodus theologically is very important in the New Testament as well. Outside of the book of Isaiah, outside of the, the Psalms, it, is the, it has the most likes in the New Testament. You know, it's got all these different mentions in the Bible in the New Testament because, you know, the New Testament really referred back to it, that whole theme about rescue and response. Theologians will tell you that the first part of Exodus is about rescue, that God is rescuing his people from the grasp of slavery. And not only just the physical um, grasp of slavery, but the mentality of slavery as well. He was getting them out of that situation. And in the second part, as he was forming the nation, he was calling them to respond and to live a holy life as a nation and individually as well. So there's rescue and there's response. Amen? But a lot of the understanding of Exodus needs to go back to the book of Genesis. They are inextricably tied together. You will not understand Exodus until you go back and take a look at Genesis. And it really begins here with a promise that God made to a man named Abram. And for those who are not religious, you know, who's Abram? He's probably one of the most important figures in all of humankind. Whether you believe in God or not, these things happen. And these things have consequences and have incredible uh, ramifications today. Even if you don't believe in God or whatever, the Bible is amazingly consequential. Abram, this guy that God is speaking to, has influence throughout the world. He's known as the father of three major religions around the world. He's the father of Islam. He's the father of Judaism. He's the father of Christianity as well. So a lot of people go, well, is this Christianity thing? Is this real or not? I don't know. What do you think? Over two over half of the world's people have adherence to this particular man. So you, you make that call yourself. God made this set of promises to this guy. And in order for him to send Exodus, because it was the fulfillment of some of these promises here, and I, I would like to go through this, it's pretty cool. God says to Abraham, he says, I will make you into a great nation. We live today and Israel is in existence. I will bless you. I will make your name great. Just like what I mentioned, he's known throughout the world today in multiple languages. You will be a blessing. I will, and God is the original Godfather. You ever watch those Godfather movies? He is the original Godfather. I will bless you. I will bless those who bless you, and I will take care of those who curses you. Right? God is like, this God's bad. I mean, he's like, whoa, you know, Breaking Bad. They got nothing on God. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So this blessing is not relegated only to a small group of people. But with blessing comes responsibility. 
God says, I'm going to bless you, but you know what? It's not going to be for you to enjoy all this great Christianity stuff. you got to go out and have an impact on the world. Today we're going to be talking about the contest, and it's really a misnomer. And it's going to be the first half. You know, we're going to talk about the first five plagues. Todd's going to talk about the next, uh, the, the, the last five. And it's really the contest. Really, it's, it's really no contest. We are really, in essence, what are we doing right now? We know who won that contest between God and man. All right? It's not like we're walking around saying, hey, who won that game? You know, what game? It's between God and man. Who won? God won. Right? We know what happened to Pharaoh. You know, Steve mentioned this a couple weeks ago. He's in a museum in, the, in Cairo, all shriveled up into a little box. We know who won. So today we're going to do some forensics and take a look at what happened. What happened? And here's the thing that's amazing to me. Even though we know that God, there's no contest, but it's still a battle today for us, right? Who do we follow? The true God or these little gods that are in our lives? It's amazing to me that even though it's overwhelmingly clear that there is no contest, we still battle those things in our hearts today. You look at these plagues here, it's pretty amazing. You know, blood everywhere, frogs in the whole country, gnats. And the Bible says that even the magicians who were able to conjure up, you know, false, you know, miracles in the first two, two plagues, even they said in the third one, they realized this is the finger of God. We're, 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 we're messing around with the wrong God. Flies in the fourth one. And, you know, you notice that the first three, that even Israel went through those plagues. And I think God intended for them to know that, hey, look, you're going to suffer too. Sometimes as Christians, we think, well, you know, I'm a Christian now. Everything should be good and hunky-dory. No, it's not. We still have to go through what's going on around the world. Flies all over except for Goshen, where the Israelites live. And number five, the, the plague of the livestock. Again, not in Goshen. But I think we have to understand that it's not because these Israelites were so awesome. It is because of God's grace that they were saved. These Israelites, if you read throughout the whole book of the Bible, they're just as bad. They're terrible. You know, God does all these things and rather than they just forget about God. When they come through some hardship, they're like, hey, God, who are you? Why did you drag me out? Where's my food? Where's my drink? They're just as bad. The Bible says that God, the Lord, is not slow in keeping with his promises, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. That is God's plan. He's not out to destroy people. That's the last thing he wants to do, but he will do it, as we're going to, get, as we're going to see. In the book of Exodus, the Bible says, If you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. God bestowed upon them a blessing to which they were to be a blessing to other people as well. There's responsibility there. Amen? There's responsibility to receiving God's blessing. I love this passage here because it shows you God's plan. It says this, it says, in that day, it was a prophecy in the book of Isaiah, and Isaiah was talking about how God was going to deal with his Egypt, but at the same time, look what he says. 
He says, in that day, there will be a highway from Egypt to Assyria. The Assyrians will go from Egypt and to the Egyptians to Assyria. The Egyptians and the Assyrians will worship together. In that day, Israel will be the third, along with Egypt and Assyria, a blessing on the earth. The Lord Almighty will bless them, saying, blessed be Egypt, my people, Assyria, my handiwork, and Israel, my inheritance. Here we see Egypt being clumped in there together with Assyria and Israel. And this language, my people, it's covenantal language. So I hope we're getting, why are we doing it? We're getting an understanding. Hey, look, God dealt with the Egyptian at that time, but his ultimate goal is to pull in Egypt together as well. That Israel was special in a way, but in a way it's not, because God cares about all people and he deals with all of us the same way. Amen? So that sets us up. So the title, we have three titles today. The title of our lesson today is God versus man. And we know who's going to win, right? And we're going to be focusing on Exodus 7 and 8. And I have a question for you. Just one question. He says, in this lifetime, while there is still time, and we don't know when it's going to run out, the most important decision we will ever make is to pick the right God. And some of you guys are my friends, and you guys know this about me. I love betting. I don't know why. Maybe I'm Chinese. I don't know. I love betting. I was like, I was like, me and Lena had an argument the other day in front of Steve and, and uh, Carrie, and, and I turned to Lena and I said, Lena, I'll bet you I didn't say that. And Lena said, you are so childish. Okay. You know, like, I was like, I, I don't know why. I don't know where that comes from. All right. Pick the right God. Pick the right God. You know, there's a lot of gods that Israel contended with in their surrounding countries. And God's goal was for them to follow him and not be infected with all these different gods. And I think that's one of the reasons why he struck Egypt so, so violently and so strongly. We have three points. Point number one, God is true. Point number two, God can be very, very scary. Okay? And point number three, Pharaoh has some serious issues. Okay? My wife says, why don't you make it more encouraging and put God is true at the end? I said, nah, this is, this is, this is okay. This is okay. And I, I better that it's going to work really well. Uh, so, God is true. Okay? Number one, I run sometimes. And, um, and I, I don't get to pick what's in front of me. And I was watching the Steve Wilkos show the other day. And I don't know what they're saying, but I can imagine what they're saying. Why would you want to follow man? Why, why would we want to put our trust in people? And I know this is not a representation of the best of mankind and anything like that. Right? And you can see that woman in the corner say, what? <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't hear. But, but I can imagine what they're talking about, you know. We're a mess. Let's put our trust in who God is. You know, Moses was, had a message. Not only to Pharaoh, but he had a message to his own people. So he's dealing with his own insecure, and I appreciate what Lucas shared. We, we we're insecure. So, he goes to God, he says, God, uh, okay, I'll, I'll do this, I'll do this, okay? 
But who should I say is sending me? What, what is his name? Then what shall I tell him? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And then there's a bubble in Moses' head right now. He says, that doesn't help me. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am who is sending you. Right? So what does that mean? God is saying, listen, I am giving you the essence of who I am. This is deep theology here. I am who I am. God is saying, I am self-contained. I don't need anything else. I'm not reliant on the circumstances. I'm not tethered to anything, anyone, anywhere, at any time. Tell them that I am who I am has sent you. The creator of the universe has sent you. And I'll be, I'll be honest with you, it wasn't like I think Moses got it right away. And that's okay. It takes time for us to figure out who God is. Amen? But God is. We saw the picture of all those different gods. Those are fictional. Those are illusions. But God says, I am the reality of the things that are and to come. We're going to read a story in the book of Genesis, chapter 15. And this is weird. And it teaches us how to read the Bible a little bit better. There's this concept of covenant that we've been talking about, and it's really important because God entered into a covenant with Abraham at that time. And the Bible says this, and we got to really get out of our 21st century mindset and understand that God speaks to different people throughout different times. Amen? But the principle still remains the same. God says to Abraham, he says, bring me a heifer. I still don't know what that is. A goat and a ram. Each three years old along with a dove and a young pigeon. Abram brought all these three to him, cut them in two and arranged the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. So what is the point of this? Because in ancient times, they acted out their covenant. Now we have legal zoom, right? You know, we go online, we sign a contract. Back then, they didn't have legal zoom. They had to act it out. And what's the point of this? The point of this is to show that as we enter a covenant, there are consequences to breaking the covenant. If you break the covenant, this visual of these animals being cut into two, that's what's going to happen to you if you enter this covenant and break it. What does it mean for us today? A lot of us, we've entered into a covenant with God, right? We became disciples, and we said, Jesus is what? Lord. It's a covenant. And we should not take that lightly, don't you think? So God says, do this for me, and Abram did. As the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a thick and a dreadful darkness came over him. The Lord said to him, Know for certain that for 400 years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own and they will be enslaved and mistreated there. God lays it out. It's not all hunky-dory, guys, being, being a disciple. Things are tough sometimes as a people of God. But get this. This is important. When the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking fire pot with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. 
On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram and says, To your descendants I give this land from the wadi of Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates. God is true. We are saved by God's grace. You know what's interesting about this story here? In a covenant, two people should participate, right? But you don't see Abram here. God himself is saying, you know what? I'm going to take this on myself. And if I ever break the covenant before you or this world, heaven is my witness, I should be cut into two pieces. This is significant. That's why God dealt with Egypt the way that he did. And that's why he's fulfilling Genesis 12 the way that he did. Guys, God is good to us. Amen? He will never break his promise to us. He will never break his covenant with us. And the ball is really on our court. God is true. Amen? Point number two. God can be very scary. I know in our world today, we don't like this. We like God, like, you know, like Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. We kind of like God that way. We, we love the feeling that God loves us. He's always around us. He surrounded us with love. Yes, that part is true. You cannot read the Bible and, and escape that. But at the same time, you cannot read the Bible and know that God is scary. Don't, don't, don't make the mistake of seeing God through our own vision of what He is, should be. But we need to really understand as we read the passages that God can be extremely, extremely scary and He demands our respect. He demands our respect. The Lord said to him in Hebrews, this is recounting back then to a people that are forgetting who God is. They're forgetting who God is. They're like, you know what, let me go back to my old religion. Let me go back to my old lifestyle. The book of Hebrews was written to address those people. Let me do some secret stuff no one knows. Let me live a double life. And he recounts this. He says, the Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Now go and speak and I will teach you. But Moses says, pardon your servant. And I think this is um, the wrong scripture, but it will do. He says, it'll do. This is an exodus. He says, he says, the Lord's anger burned against Moses. This is an exodus. My, my bad. You know, it's okay that God gets a little bit angry at us. Right? Sometimes we're a little bit like, we're wimpy, guys. Well, God is you mean. Yeah, he is kind of mean sometimes. I need God to be mean. If you put a recorder in my mind and in my heart and see all the crazy stuff that I think and all the ill feelings that I have towards you, <laughs> Ken needs to be yelled at a couple of times. Right now it's changed, right? Oh, before it's, oh, Ken, no, no. Now it's towards you. You go, yeah, Ken. It's true. I need to be yelled at. One of my favorite scriptures in Bible, about is in Hebrews. It said that, you know, God disciplined those he loves. The opposite of love is not anger. It's, it's indifference. Uh, for me, if I don't care about you, I won't even think about it. But if I care about something, I get upset. I get angry 
when something is going on. It works me up. You know, God was a little bit upset at Moses. And I think we've got to get comfortable with that. It's okay. It's okay. Because the trap of that is, if you don't think this way, what's going to happen is that you're going to gravitate towards these scriptures and you're not going to see God for who he is. And your love, your understanding of God's love for you is conditional. You know, not because of God, but because of you, because of me. And you can ignore some of those scriptures that are so foundational in the Bible and understanding to respect God. Amen? Now, this is Hebrews. This is Moses. He says, you have not come to a mountain that can be touched, that is burning with fire. To darkness, gloom, and storm, to a trumpet blast, or to such a voice speaking words, that those who heard it beg that no further words be spoken. Oh, God loves me. So, you know what? I read in the Bible where people that are actually getting close to God, you know what they say? They're so scared. Remember what Peter said? Away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. When we are close to God, we see who we are, and it's scary. It's scary. If, if even an animal touch, touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. The sight was so terrifying that Moses says, I am trembling with fear. God is an awesome God. And, you know, I'm going to move on here because I want to get, get you guys out. And I know we have Super Bowl parties and stuff like that. But the Bible says the Lord will be awesome to them. He said, don't test me. He said, don't test me. If you test me, I will be awesome to you. I think there's got to be a healthy respect for God. Healthy respect for God's word. Healthy respect for holy living. Healthy respect for honest living. Humble living. That's what God calls his people to be. Amen? Point number three as we close on out. Pharaoh had some serious issues, guys. And I appreciate what Lucas shared about the expectation that was placed on him. Unreasonable expectation. And I think because of those things, I think Pharaoh was so stubborn. He was holding on to something that was untenable. Pharaoh, in those days, as a king, was untouchable. He was known as the mediator between heaven and earth. He was the son of Ra, the sun god. He was the maintaining presence of equilibrium on the earth. That's why he was unable to let go of so many things. Because he had all this pressure on him and because he was prideful. And he trash-talked God. He says, I do not know the Lord and I will not let Israel go. Remember we talked about respecting God? Respect God. you got to respect God. And we're going to close out with this here. He says that, and the Lord did what Moses asked. And the frog died. They, they went through ten of these things. In the courtyards and in the field, they were piled into heaps, and the land reeked with them. But when Pharaoh saw that there was relief, he hardened his heart, and he would not listen to Moses and Aaron, just as the Lord said. Here's something that we can really learn. Okay. We're not that different from Pharaoh. 
You see, things happen, plagues and all these things. And we're like, God, help me. Oh, my goodness. You know, all this stuff. And when things get a little bit better, so easy to forget who God is. Why do you think God, 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 God made himself known in such a strong way? You know why? Because these false gods are so entrenched in us. So entrenched in us that God had to do these powerful things. You know, I grew up where my mom, my dad, my country, we believed in all these gods too. It's not that far removed. And it hurt me to see my mom and my dad relied on all these different superstitions day after day and putting their hope in them that never helped them. So it's not innocuous. innocuous. It's not, oh, it's just little beliefs here and there. No, it's not. It's painful. It's painful to see somebody put their hope and their trust in something that will never come and rescue them. That's why God had to do what he did. Don't be like Pharaoh. Amen? If we see relief in God, praise God and get stronger. Amen? Let me close out on this and we'll, we'll call it at the end. There's a wager. Remember I told you I like wagers? I like this. I like this one a lot. There's a thing called Pascal's Wager. If you're visiting with us today, I want you to consider this, okay? You've been studying the Bible for a while. Pascal's a world-famous philosopher. When the computer age got started, there was a language that was named after him, Pascal's, you know, language and stuff like that. He was a great philosopher. And uh, he said this about betting. He says, in this lifetime, remember my question or my, my, uh, my statement earlier? He says, Pascal said this. He says, Pascal compared belief and unbelief in God to a wager and pointed out the potential gains and losses each bet holds. If some bet on God and are wrong, they will lose only a paltry pleasure from some sins in this life that they might enjoy. He said, he said sin is fun. You're going to enjoy some of this sin. He says, I, I get that. But get this. He says, if others bet on God and they are right, however, they stand to gain eternal bliss. He said, the potential gains and losses are so staggering. So staggering. This bet that we make, the consequences and the rewards are so amazing, so great. And disproportionate, he said. Grace. Pascal urges unbelievers to pray, to attend Mass, and to do whatever it takes to develop faith. Isn't that amazing? Let's bet on God. Amen. Thank you. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.